Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're going to talk to Chirag and we're going to talk about his company Nucleus and about lending solutions for SME or SMB businesses in the UK and elsewhere. Now, obviously, we have entered a little bit tougher times. Times may be tougher for startups, but also for SMEs and SMBs. Maybe see how that impacts lending to that sector as well. So let's find out more. How are you today, Chirag? Hey, Rudy. I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? All right, wonderful. So let's start with an introduction, right? What is your backstory? How did you get to do what you do today? So I started Nucleus about 11 years ago. Prior to that, my background is in engineering, math, and finance. I used to work at Merrill Lynch in Wachovia on the structured credit side. And that gave me a great background. I understand the technology part. I understand the lending part. And it was just a perfect skill set for starting a fintech in the lending space. So what is the problem you're solving? And as I always say, there's so many problems in the world, unfortunately. But in a business sense, some of them are not viable to sort out. So why is it worth solving, right? So what is the problem you're focusing on and why is it worth solving? So the SME space, the SME and SMB space has always been more challenging than the consumer lending space. And the biggest reason for that is how difficult it is to obtain data on businesses. The consumer data is more homogenized, is available in one or two places. With SMBs, to make a decision from a lending perspective, we need to get data from multiple places. And I'm talking about, we are, we are talking about places in high double digits. So that has made it more challenging. With Nucleus, our approach has been to go to the best data source get the data in a form where the business needs to be involved to the least extent possible. So the user journeys are short, quick, and easy and come up and deliver a decision within seconds. About 90% of our deals get decision within one minute. All right. So I love to focus on the customer journey, but how do you make a decision, right? How do you know that they are credit worthy? They'll pay back. So we have been active in the space for over 11 years. And the decision-making part has evolved over that period as we got access to more data, as the technology evolved. And for us, the pro- so we have access to loads of data from last 11 years that has helped us build good predictive models to decision businesses. It has enabled us to expand the number of businesses that qualify for funds from Nucleus, including younger businesses that generally struggle in the market. So our approach has been, we run an auto-decisioning platform. It's all built in-house and it integrates very smoothly with the user journey. And as long as we get access to open banking and in some cases, open accounts, we deliver decisions within seconds because we are running all the algorithms in the background. I see. So basically we talk about automation, alternative credit scoring, 
and also yes. open bank leveraging open banking correct yes open banking has been a key component for us that really enabled us to shorten the user journeys and i would say more than just shorten the user journeys it also enabled us to deliver better results for businesses and inform them in cases where we are not able to support them exactly why but at the same time from a credit perspective we did an analysis on our loan book where open banking was used and the loan book where open banking was not used and the default rates when we had access to open banking were 30% lower than otherwise okay so i see that the user experience if you are a small business and you go to a bank is probably terrible but let's justify it how big is this opportunity in the uk i know it sounds a bit obvious everybody's talking about the smes smbs are backbone of the economy in each country in europe or elsewhere yet we always hear that the support is not there right so how big is this and maybe why this wasn't sorted out by the incumbents until now you can really split it into two parts one is the easy answer is always to say that technology suite wasn't there with the incumbents but they've got the resources to build the tech suite pretty rapidly same as the fintech platforms like us do so uh, technology is key but i think what really differentiates the fintechs from the incumbents has been the approach and the willingness to use new technology to make the journey better for users and i think it's just it's a grounds up approach where we start with a white paper and we say we don't say what are the tools at our disposal our approach at nucleus generally tends to be okay let's talk to people figure out what are the issues they are facing what is the best user journey we can design and now let's go back and say okay what are the existing tools we can use and what new things we need to develop to make this user journey happen that's been a big difference between us other fintech platforms and the incumbents it's the willingness to go that extra mile okay and so how big is this market though if you were to see it as a revenue pool opportunity or target a super market for you what do you say to your backers and investors if you look at uk if you look at just uk you're looking at over 5.6 million businesses in the uk there are more new businesses being set up every day so that is an ever expanding pool but the starting point for us is 5.6 million businesses just in uk do you also have a minimum when it makes sense for you to assess them or not really because it's all automated anyway it will be we need at least some data on a business to then use our predictive technology so it's generally businesses which have been trading for over 3 months we can start supporting if you asked me this question 2 years ago i would have said the businesses need to be trading for a minimum 12 month period so we are improving but we are at a stage where it, as long as we can see a quarter worth of trading performance we are able to offer them something okay uh, but in terms of size as well if i sold something for 10 pounds each month is that all right as well i'm really it, starting again it wouldn't it it wouldn't be because the minimum loan amounts we do is 3000 pounds okay and for that we would expect the businesses to be turning over at least 50000 pounds a year all right understood or equivalent yeah. okay so who are your key clients are do you have a preference or focus when it comes to industry vertical as well are we talk about retail or tech or anything else services so we are largely sector agnostic 
every quarter we take what we call we check the temperature on on the economy what sectors how they are performing across our loan book as well as from a macro perspective and we might have we might restrict our lending to particular sectors till situation improves so it's a very evolving thing we don't have any static yes or no for all any sector we are open to all sectors but there might be times at which certain sectors we are shying away from all right okay can you shine a bit of light on this this is a good thing that you said that you can say people to people when they are rejected the transparency is key that sometimes loan applicants don't see in traditional setting so you said three months minimum you have certain numbers what do you want to see that they pay the bills on time or certain growth rates or anything else outside of the open banking that you connect with this can you just give us a glimpse of where you wouldn't make it even with this sort of system? Yes, the reasons could be, there are multiple reasons why we might decide that we cannot support a business. We'll be very clear on what the reason for that decision is. And it's unfortunate we can't support everyone at all times. But what we really do is we track all of them at all times, even after the decision has been made. And if the businesses are performing or outperforming compared to what our algorithms were saying, then that factors into our algorithms and they learn and they mature. And as they mature, it will help us deliver better results to those businesses. All right. Understood. We always say, I mean, our general approach is we don't approve or decline a business. We approve or decline a business at that specific point of time based on the data we have at that point. One thing, one big change which we have seen is people are giving us ongoing access to data even in cases where we have rejected their loan applications at that point that is allowing us to track the business and that is allowing us to go back to them and say actually we couldn't support you x week weeks ago but we might be able to support you if you're still looking for funds now Okay, so that's great to hear. So it is at certain point in time and life cycle and with the information there is there and it doesn't mean that you're blacklisted or anything like this, right? No, it's not. And again, it's a, it's a continuous process. I think the challenge it really is for the businesses to feel comfortable to give ongoing access to data, like whether it's open accounts or open banking. If they provide that, everything else we have automated. Those are the two points where we need their permission and access from them to give them a decision. And we have developed further tools to encourage them to do this because we have built cutting edge technology to help decision our deals, to help manage our portfolio, to help leverage the data. And what we are doing now is for businesses which give us access, we are providing them a monthly snapshot of business. And this could be for people who we have lent money to or we were not able to support at a point of time, but we have access. And the snapshot basically gives them a clear view of how the business has performed and any potential challenges that we see or our system sees, we are able to highlight to them. Wonderful. So we talk about business loans, automation, access to open banking, and therefore access to financials almost real time continuously. Okay. Now, how do you feel about unstructured data or something, let's say, less traditional? Sometimes maybe 
people oversell it, maybe it does work. I make up an example. If you have a client, a loan applicant that says, look, my clientele is people in this neighborhood. And if you look at their houses, they all have solar panels. Therefore, they are wealthier than average or something like this. So would that be a positive factor or you don't really see the correlation with non-financial factors like these? We have looked at quite a few non-financial factors, but I wouldn't say that there is a strong correlation that the data shows. You would think that, yes, there should be a correlation, but it doesn't show a strong correlation with business performance. So for the example that you're using with solar panels and stuff, our general approach is if there are certain things good about the business, it does flow through into the data we are analyzing. At the end of the day, it's not just about the subjective component. If there are certain things which make the businesses look better, then that will, and if it is really better, then it will flow through into the data that the business is sharing with us. And our approach has been, so we did try the, we, we did try the subjective components, but we couldn't find strong correlation. But with data, we could see that when we tried to map it out to see, does it actually translate into better business data that we are receiving? In some instances, yes, but again, in most instances, business performance doesn't get driven with any certainty based on such subjective criteria. All right, understood, understood. But let's look at the under the hood. Are you a bank or are you a P2P lender or you're a partner introducer to banks? How does that work under the hood? Of course, you can assess the loans and you have great technology, but to give loans, do you need to be a bank? Uh, maybe not because you do it for corporates, right? No. So we to answer your question, we are not a P2P and we are not a bank. We have always been a balance sheet lender from day one. All right. We have funding lines from banks and other providers, but we are not a bank and we are not a P2P. All right. So you borrow banks from banks and then you lend out as if a bank, but you don't need a banking license to do so. Correct. In UK... It, depending on the type of loans, majority of SME loans are non-regulated. There are certain loans which are regulated. All right. Understood. Understood. So we talked about you being industry agnostic, but what about the business models? In the last couple of years, I've seen many people starting new ideas in startups and talking about a platform or a marketplace, right? Sometimes, obviously, they focus on B2C marketplaces because that's most visible, but also B2B marketplaces have, have started to pop up, right? So whether you are a tradesman and you trade tools, you things like this, materials, all kinds of things. So do you think that the B2B marketplaces are also something to watch out for? Is this something that could be a mainstream or in B2B setting, it doesn't really work like this because B2B sales are so customized? So I wouldn't say the B2B setting is as big as the B2C setting. It is a smaller subset, but we already work with we already work with platforms active in the space. Because at the end of the day, when the, what everyone's trying to I wouldn't call it the super app that everyone's trying to build, but once a customer journey has been established, everyone's trying to maximize what they can offer to the businesses. It's great for the business as well because from a single source they can get multiple issues resolved. But every platform is trying to do that. And we work closely with many platforms, especially on the lending side, where there are businesses working with accountants, offering, an, offering a platform where on behalf of businesses, they will 
assess the application with multiple lenders. So businesses are making a single application and the platform in the background is applying to 50 lenders and trying to get the best deal for the business. So that has been kind of a true tried and tested model for over the last, I would say almost a decade now in the B2B space. And we work with quite a few in there. I see. All right, great stuff. Let's follow up a little bit on your technology, right? So basically we talked about automation and getting the data from the accounts through the open banking principle, things like this. So it sounds like obviously it's a proprietary technology to from people from outside in. It would also sound like this is an AI. Everybody's talking about AI and generative AI and things like this. Here, there is something else going on here. But can you explain us a little bit more about the, your technology? How does it work? And what are the key features versus any off-the-shelf packages that are there or any generic RPA packages, solutions, etc.? cetera? I would say on the SMB side, there are not many generic packages which can provide us access to the data to the extent we, we look for and structure the data in a manner that we need. So for us, it has been a process where we have built it. We have identified the best sources. We have identified the most most cost-effective way of accessing that data and keeping it up to date at all times. And we, so about six years ago, we set out on a journey where we said what we want to deliver to the businesses is one-click lending. A business should be able to insert its name on our portal. And as soon as they pick their name of all the listed businesses in the UK, we should be able to straight away tell them how much they can borrow and at what terms. So that was the journey we set out on just over six years ago. And I'd say we are about 98% of the way there. A lot of that has got to do with the way we have structured our data and our decisioning tool and the machine learning technology that we have in place where which feeds back and constantly helps us improve our tool. So that, that has been our key strength. All right, wonderful. I'm clear on the technology, on the business model, the rationale. It sounds all very exciting, but as I hinted at the beginning, this year and last year, the years before, were not very easy for anyone in any country, whether in the UK or elsewhere. And the many fintech founders, they've been around for a few years, so they haven't experienced a downturn yet or a recession. Do you have any advice because you've been around for quite some time? How do you keep the business going in the recession how do you recession proof it so that also you can work with lenders, you can keep on investing, but obviously the demands and the interest rates and everything else it looks like it's stacked against you, but you can still obviously pursue your dream and build your business. So any pieces of advice, how can you go on in conditions like these? What has really worked well for us is having a product that's actually required in the market and solves a problem. And having unit economics that work for us as a business. So we need a product that the users really need. We need a journey for users that is very intuitive, very simple. And this is all focused on the users and user acquisition. But at the same time, the product has to be profitable for the business. I think where we have seen a lot of fintech suffer is the unit economics just don't add up. And in recessionary times where it's difficult to raise external capital, those are the businesses that suffer the most. So Sydney could say that we were all or everybody's been chasing growth, right? But now it's about chasing profitable growth. Yes. That's 
the, your own, to your point about unit economics and positive unit economics, right? And of course, you need to have a product market fit. So I guess the point is, if you are in business and you are not profitable after many years, then maybe you don't really have a product market fit just because you have revenues, right? It has to be, it has to add up, right? Yes, and also there is a there is, the line has become very blurred between a customer and a user. They are two very different things. Our aim is to have a customer. Right. A user is someone you are offering something. That's why they're using a service. They are not necessarily a customer. A customer is someone who likes a product and is willing to spend for the product. The product needs to be so good that you can sign up customers. To sign up users, you need unlimited cash at all times. Good point. Before we go, just two easy questions. First of all, do you have any business book, any nonfiction book that you can recommend or any other resource for people to learn more about what you've been building and also providing as a service to SMEs? So for my side, about six years ago, I picked up a book at the airport and all it was about was white paper thinking or thinking without boundaries. And this was from a business perspective. And it's it was a really good book and it was all about how you can always, as you said, a couple earlier in the earlier discussions, we said our general approach tends to be, let's figure out what the best solution will be after talking to people and then see where the market is and what we can get from the market to achieve that solution. Otherwise we need to build it. And the whole point is that we can, we can build it, but we need to always start from scratch and then see what else is there in the market so that our judgment is not clouded. Great point. If we want to deliver something cutting edge, something new, the biggest thing for that is we need to start fresh. So I'll put the notes in or the link to in the show notes. Thank you for the tip. And what would be the best way for people to find out more about what you do, either to work with you as an SME, apply for as a client or a partner? What's the best way to reach out? The best way, all our details are on our website. People can get in touch with us. We have a customer team which will be in touch with you within 24 hours of anyone registering. And be it a business looking for funding, be it potential introducers looking for partnerships. We are open-minded. We work with over 2,000 different introducers in the UK and we have supported tens of thousands of businesses in the UK. Fantastic. So very exciting. I wish you good luck to to you, Chirag, also to Nucleo. So thank you so much and keep in touch. Thank you, Rudy. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.